So we have three texts this morning, uh, two of them pretty short. So we'll read from the Hebrew Bible, uh, the, the book of Exodus, and then also the prophets, Jeremiah, and then the book of Matthew. But I get the privilege of reading from the Exodus story. So hear this uh, word from Exodus 3, verses 1 through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there was the angel, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing but was not consumed. And Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And God said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And the cry of the Israelites has now come to me, and I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my title for all generations. And then from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 15, verses 15 through 18, we read there, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and bring down retribution for me on my persecutors. And your forbearance do not take me away. Know that on your account I suffer insult. Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of merrymakers, nor did I rejoice. Under the weight of your hand I sat alone, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Truly you are to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail. And from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 
26. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? Mm. Hear what the Spirit is saying through the scriptures. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, you know, it's funny to me because this lectionary uh, day has a bunch of really familiar scriptures in it. Yeah. The burning bush, take up your cross, a bunch of stuff that we just like, I think, skip right over generally mentally because it's like, oh, we get that. But you and I read this this week and that was not what was interesting to either of us. We didn't go with either of those things. So no. what, what is the single thing you draw attention to in these texts this week? Uh, well, it's, it's this idea of, of pushback. Yeah. Uh, this idea that in, in all of these texts, we find um, our, our main character, or one of the main characters pushing back against God, questioning God saying that God is wrong, or wait a minute here, hold up. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's fast, that part is fascinating to me, because I think that, um, yes, we could draw all kinds of other things from the story of the burning bush, and the story of uh, Jesus saying, take up your cross and get thee behind me, Satan. But I'm, I was uh, more compelled by the very human response of these three, uh, these three folks in scripture, you know, Moses saying, who am I to go to Pharaoh? And then, yeah, but who are you? God, yeah, I, I get it. You're going to be with me, but who are you? Again, I, I got to push back. I hear you, but I'm pushing back. And down here, this, and this one, you asked this beautiful question about, um, pain in our relationship with God. In Jeremiah says in, in verse 18, why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Truly you are to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail. I'm like, whoa, there's a deep, very real woundedness in the prophet's relationship with God. And and then in, you know, our, our beloved, oh, God bless him, Peter, who is just literally just last week, we talked about being he handed. He just got the, a promotion. Just got the promotion. He's been handed the keys to the kingdom. He's still like jingling them in his pocket. He's got the keys to the kingdom. And he decides, well, feeling his, feeling his um, little bit of chutzpah, he says, uh, no actually Jesus, what you're saying about this needing to die and be raised again. Don't no, 
no, no, no, no. We, we shouldn't talk like that. That, that shouldn't happen. And like pushing back and watching Jesus response, which is so seemingly harsh, but, but necessary to say, no, you slow your roll, Peter, get thee behind me. You might as well be tempting me like Satan with this talk of this is how this can't happen. This is not how this is supposed to be. When in fact, you don't understand, Peter, Mm. you don't understand the way that discipleship is going to look. You have in your mind this idea of who the Messiah, the Son of God is, but it's not like that. So yeah. uh, this push, this theme of pushing back against God is compelling to me. And it may be because of a couple of things. One, um, my, uh, my ch- eldest child is at a stage in life right now, um, being a teenager, where pushing back is kind of his thing. And I, I, I both uh, get it and appreciate it and understand it in terms of child development. And also, um, it can be frustrating <laughs> to, have, to be questioned like this. So I'm mindful of that reality in my own life. And also, uh, this week is um, a year um, since we were we were still in Hawaii this time last year, and I remember continuing to when we were in Hawaii and Amy was so sick. That was my period, maybe my my deepest period of pushing back against God and questioning God and not understanding God. So all of that is just really rich for me right now. This the idea of pushing back against God and the quite frankly the safety to be able to do that, the, the assurance of God's love that uh, affords um, these three, this, um, this chance, this uh, uh, deep enough relationship to, um, of sorts to push back. So, okay. I just said a lot, Jules. That was a long answer to the question. What but do you think? Good. What are your thoughts on that? There's well, more thinking, we can dig into, but I'm thinking about the other side. The thing that struck me was, you know, we're always, um, I think we're mostly assuming that God is ultimately like got the right answer or is trustworthy. And so when people push back, we're like, Oh, that's cute. Ultimately God will come back with something that makes sense. And then it's just that we're small and stupid and we don't get it. And in these stories, what I'm thinking about is how actually these questions are really good questions and they're really smart people and they're asking things that really matter. Um, Peter's not dumb. He's like, listen, I've been a Jewish man my entire life. I know what the Messiah is supposed to do and you are not acting like that. And what you're saying doesn't make sense given... 3,000 years of stories that you yourself have told. Like, I mean, Moses is asking a question of somebody. He, he has never met this God. He doesn't know these stories anymore. He's been raised in Egypt. He has not had this information. These stories have been lost. He's like re-meeting the God of Abraham for the first time, right? And so he's like, who am I? But really, more importantly, who are you? And I, I think that that dynamic of people saying, hold on, 
you're asking a lot of me, a very lot. Like in the, in the scripture with Peter, what it, that's the take up your cross and follow me. You, those who keep their life will lose it. And those mm-hmm. who try to, right? Like that is a big ask. And so my thing that kind of captures me is, huh, when God creates this tension in us, when we're in this space where we feel like we need to push back, can we be strong enough to keep doing it? Because it sounds like God is willing to like hang in there with us, but also sort of deserves the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that these are fair questions. And honestly, God doesn't give that great an answer sometimes. I mean, personally in my life, I'm, you know, me, I'm willing to push back. I'm not afraid of that, but I'm not satisfied with the answers. And so and I don't think Moses is really either. We cut off the story, but like when it feels like kind of resolved, but God's answer is, I am who I am. What does that mean? That's not an answer. He, God literally says to him, you should listen to me because I was the God of your ancestors who you have never met. And the way you're going to know that I'm, uh, faithful to you is that you are going to go to my mountain and worship me. Wait a second. I have questions about that. It's, it's, it sort of reminds me of, uh, the answer that I probably give far too often to my own children when they question, which is, um, because I told because you, I so? Said, because yeah. I said so good because I said so because I said, do so. you know, or even, and this is the one my mother would always pull with me is, do you remember who you're talking to? Right. Right. Like Which that. Is actually the probable literal translation of verse 14. Mm-hmm. It's like God said to Moses, do you know who you are talking to? Yeah. And said yeah. farther, you shall say to the Israelites, do you know who you are talking to? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I, is I, not I, a satisfactory answer. And I'm sorry no. to say it that way, but when we talk about, you know, like there's a lot of pain in the world and a lot of good questions we should be asking. You know, we have had some really incredible things happen recently where we're just like, oh, there but for the grace of God. Thank God for this. So good. And then, it, and I'll be honest with you, in my mind, I say thank you. I take and be thank- and, and thankful, as Krista would mm-hmm. say, right? Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, as people are like, oh, thank God, you know, God really pulled a miracle with that one. I think, where, where is God pulling miracles uh, for the 170,000 people who died of COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, where, where is God pulling miracles for people who are being attacked by police when they're just trying to get in their cars? Um, and, and so, and I, I'm asking those questions and I think I'm not alone and God is not giving me satisfactory answers. Yeah, I, I think that's that's absolutely the case. I told you, I, I, this prompted me to go back and read Job 29 through 31, where Job asks some really, like, really deep, powerful questions about why God is seemingly behaving the way God is behaving. And I shared with you, um, I, I've never been happy with God's response in the story of Job. Um, to me, it seems like it's not fair. Um, the other thing that I will point out is I, uh, 
so often I hear people in order to kind of get past the question of um, uh, like, where is God in this? How is God showing up in this situation? It doesn't seem like God is showing up in this situation by with some pat answers like, well, God has a plan overall, or um, God is in charge. And ultimately God has the victory. And, and I have problems with that kind of um, victory or winner sort of language, because I think that was the expectation that Peter had. It, Peter's like, no, no, no. If you die, then we've lost. So when we win, that's the whole point of the Messiah. We win. You're back in charge. We're, which means we're back in charge, which is awesome because we, you know, as um, God's chosen people, we should be in seats of power. We should be the powerful ones in society. So that's the way this has got to work. You don't get it in the moment, Jesus. We really need to stop that kind of talk. And, and Jesus has to check him and say, it's it's not about winning. In fact, you're you're gonna find out that it's a it's about losing. It's about losing your life. It's about sacrifice, and it's also about um, having the humility to understand that um, that one we don't we won't have all the answers, and also um, be able to try to follow God and follow this way of Jesus. Uh, with without having all of those answers and, and being okay to continually yeah. push back. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it makes me think about, you know, the, the difference between, um, I'm going to, I'm going to make up a phrase. I don't know if this exists, but like unearned pain and earned pain, right. Mm. That there's, I'm sure there's a better way to put that, but the, it's what we do with the suffering and with the questions and with the pushback mm-hmm. more than it is that it's happening. So for me, what I learned from pushing back from God and not getting like smote immediately for being so like legitimately furious and outraged and indignant, I think. I think I'm legitimately so God could disagree and just not be killing me over it. Um, But like to stand there and really be angry about it and really be furious and sad and really be confused and have God be like, yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you going to do about that? Mm -hmm. Is a very different thing than just like laying down and just being like, give it all to me. It is, you know, which it's so funny because it's kind of where Jeremiah is. Jeremiah is like, God, you are a liar. I don't, I don't truck with this. I do not want to be in exile. I think this is wrong. And we don't get to the point in Jeremiah where he's like, oh, well, thanks for saving us again. We're so glad to be back home. Like he doesn't get to see that. Uh, But he just gets to push and push and do call God names and do that on behalf of other people. And for some reason that gets scripturalized. Like that's important enough a behavior that it gets saved in the record as, as one of the most important prophets in our history. Somebody who's just like, no, I'm not going to try this. 
And it's a feeling of um, being uh, abandoned by God. Yeah. And that's, and, and it's almost like the feeling of being abandoned by God. And I'm going to go ahead and say this is a necessary part of faithfulness. It may be the truest and most oh. authentic moment that we cry out to God or that we reach out to God. And I mean, I have, and I will confess this, I have dropped F-bombs to God. I've done it um, and felt that kind of abandonment and questioning and doubt and anger and frustration. And, and yet that's some of the deepest and truest crying out to God that I have is out of the, the depths of, uh, of my despair. And I, I think we actually have a model for this in Jesus yeah. because he's, he's on the cross and says, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am abandoned in this moment, the deepest level of pain and suffering and feeling like, where is God in this? Jesus experiences it too, almost as if it's a part of the discipleship experience. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. And he still gets to experience resurrection. Oh yeah. There's always the hope of resurrection, but, but if we, again, move just to resurrection, if we're constantly in the place of God, God has a plan. Ultimately God comes through. Faith is the victory. All those kind of, like I, I said this to you earlier, that's, that's cat poster theology. That's not, that's not the reality of discipleship. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. Yeah. Cause God's got this. And to me, that's to completely ignore what I believe is the necessity of um, despair and that feeling of abandonment. We just want to like band-aid it over with a God's got this or God will show up or. How um, are we supposed to really understand what the depth of hope can be if we haven't felt that? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we're the ones who we're, we're the people who talk about hope. We're the ones who bring that into the conversation and the world Mm -hmm. as Christians. And I think what you're saying is so helpful because what it, what it shows me is I cannot experience the depth and the breadth and the height of hope if I have not also really wrestled with the depth and the breadth and the height of despair so that I have the range to really be in the work that is being called into following Jesus, which may include some really terrible things that we need to hold hope in. But first you have to be able to like, practice the, you have to practice both things before you practice them together, right? Um, It's a complicated practice. And to stand in the middle as a human person and like try to understand what is ultimately the most difficult mystery to understand, who is God? That's literally the questions that we're asking today. Um, To stand in that, you have to like, ask some questions The answers don't just arrive. You have to push. Yeah. And so I, I, I hope that people in our church, at least in the world generally, but in our church in particular feel as though pushing back 
and asking questions and then pushing back some more is actually at the heart of their religious responsibility Mm -hmm. as people of faith. Yeah, because, I mean, as I think about, and we've talked about leaning into um, contemplative Christianity and and non-dualism, and that means that we have to be open to the fact that it 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 all does belong, that the questions belong, and the discipleship, the continuing to follow, like it it's all a part of um, this mystery that is discipleship and following Jesus. And whereas I think it would be, um, and some some people, um, for some people, just being sort of spoon fed um, cat poster theology. To be able to to keep going, hang in there, smooth things over, um, that might work. Um, I don't think it works for very long. Uh, there's a, you know the old Seinfeld episode where uh, Kramer continues to say, you know, serenity now, serenity now, and ultimately all he's doing is burying all of the angst and frustration to the point where he explodes because he's trying to force serenity on something that is not serene and doesn't acknowledge the frustration and depth. And that's where I think authentic faith and authentic discipleship allow for us to push back and to be ch- and and then to be checked ourselves a little bit as well because i think we need to be reminded that it's not going to be all sunshine and lollipops as people of jesus it, it isn't we're, we're jesus says as much is it you know peter it, we don't get to win we're, yeah. we're not we're not conquerors that's not what this is this is about a life of of, of sacrifice and continual giving of ourselves, um, it's different than you think. So uh, I, for me, um, there's good news in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the, 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 uh, the fact that I can feel um, safe and, and maybe not even, not just safe, maybe we could take that a step further and say it's not just feeling safe to question God or to push back, but being encouraged to, yeah. being encouraged to ask questions and to to get angry and to truly experience the depth of of um, of experience and and, and 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 emotion when it comes to how we relate to God and to tell God, I just have to name this to tell God that God is wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's what Peter does to Jesus. He says, uh-huh. "You're wrong," and Jesus says, "No, I'm not." And they go back and forth. But he's allowed to say it. And I mm-hmm. think that saying that is cathartic. It's important. And sometimes, I think sometimes God learns something from that interaction with us. That dialogue mm-hmm. between Moses and God is one in which God gives some, mm-hmm. like gives in and wasn't going to prove anything, but now I'm going to show you mm-hmm. how, to, how this is going to work. And so I, you know, it's not... It's a mutual relationship. I think too often we submit to a relationship with God, like God's got, like you started with, God's got all the answers, God's will, God's, you know, the one in charge. And actually, I think God is hungry for us to say, I have some questions. Mm-hmm. And maybe together, we're going to be able to co-create the answers and have a world that is different because now I'm a part of it, right? That's the good news for me. 
is like, yeah. that that's how we end up being a part of things instead of apart from them. Um, and that maybe God wants it all the time. I like the idea that God is hoping for us to argue. That sounds wonderful. I was going to say for someone like you, you've got to be just loving that. That's so, that is so good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's do theology. it. Um, <laughs> let's ask some questions. Cause I, I, I like the idea of ending this sermon with not any answers. Yeah. Okay. Seems appropriate this week. So let's do it that and way. And inviting pushback. Yes. Oh, that would be so fun. I would love that so much. It would make me feel so seen. Um, so here's the questions we have. Are you personally pushing back against God about anything right now? And what does that look like? What does pushing back mean to you? Second, where do you experience pain in your relationship with God? Where is that pinch or that challenge or that difficulty or that suffering, frankly, because of your relationship with God? And what does it look like to question God and follow God at the same time? How does that live in a life? What does it mean practically for you? So how, are you pushing back against God about anything right now? Where do you experience pain in your relationship with God? And what does it look like to question and follow God at the same time? We'll put those on the Facebook page and um, send those out to you so you have access to them. Come to the questions of the people at 1030 on Sunday morning and you can push back all you want. Uh, that's the, space, the best space to do it in, but we will, we will hopefully see you there. I'm going to pray for us. And then Andy, you want to sing us out? Sounds good. Okay. God, thank you for all of the places and ways in which you have honored us with questions and, and sometimes with no answers. We, we give thanks for the places in which you have been in the struggle and in the wrestling where you have shown up and been a part of our struggle and our pain. We do beg for answers. But we also ask that you grant us better questions. And as we follow you, we ask that you would fulfill your promises, each and every one to us and to others, to this whole world. So that while we follow, we can, we can say to one another, yes, we are indeed following the God of our ancestors, the great I am, the one who is to come and who has always been and who does fulfill promises to us every day. And so we give you thanks for these things and look forward to the work with and for you. Amen. Amen. All right. I'll invite you to uh, close this time with us. By, if you'd like singing along or just receiving this song benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, 
give you peace. Continue to stay home in peace, love, and serve the Lord. Love you and miss you. Bye.